Welcome, Welcome to, to the Better, Better Call Daddy Show. This is Big Daddy. Oh my God, that's hysterical. More stories you are not going to believe. And advice that you didn't know that you needed. Five stars. Five and a half stars. We're creating a legacy one call at a time. Here comes my daddy. Your problem is, is that you like me. <laughs> my dad is my hero. I'll always be there to take your call. And you'll never be in too much trouble if your dad is around. Oh, boy. I think I'm a pretty cool dude. Better call daddy. The safe space for controversy. This is your host, Rena Friedman Watts. No, this is your host, Celia Watts. More inspirational stories, more daddy drama, and more laughs. Hey, a lot of these things, I don't know where you're getting them from. It sounds like they're coming from when I look in the mirrors. Damn the public. Damn the public. Today's guest is going to tell us a story about making sure you see the world first before you ask somebody else what the world looks like. Chris Ward, welcome. Hi, how you doing? I am good. How are you? I'm well, I'm well. Good to see you. Good to see you too. So I heard you were a dancer. Should we start with some dance moves or a daddy story? (laughs) I don't know where you heard that from. A dancer. I don't know. I don't know about all that. That was Walter Gaynor giving me a tip off. Is that wrong? Mm, okay, Walter. I, I, I can't tell Walter anything anymore. <laughs> All right. Yes, uh, a little bit of dancing, a little bit of a little bit of fun. Yeah, tell me about that. <laughs> the days of heading to New York City and spending time with friends. And we used to go to a, a certain club that would only kind of open up around two or three in the morning. No alcohol. It's just just water and food and you just dance and dance and dance until the next morning until the sun came up oh my god that's so much fun i feel like those places don't exist anymore no they don't <laughs> how did so, you find that place even ah it's a community there what they call deep house community and a lot of the music comes from chicago and there's a new york scene and a baltimore scene and introduced to me by family members, mom, my mom, my uncles, you know, they always told me about about having a great time in these clubs growing up and, you know, in the nineties and how the clubs were amazing. And so I said, if I ever had a chance, I'm going to go. And it was pretty cool that I had friends who really enjoyed dancing too. So I, I found myself in competition, not competition, but I found myself in places where those who competed around the world, they were in those places, in those clubs. And so it was like really cool to see people you would watch on DVD at the time, of course. <laughs> now you're dancing in circles with them. And it was just pretty cool. Oh my God, there's no experience like that. Yeah, it was really, really awesome experience. And my little brother always says, he, he's like, man, I just wish I was old enough to go with you guys during that time. And uh, he's actually a better dancer than me. He, he's a B-boy. He's done, you know, Red Bull competitions and stuff like that. He's he's done that. So he's better than me. I'm just, I just like to have a good time. <laughs> I don't even know what that is. Like shed some light there. So the company Red Bull has pride themselves on doing and showcasing stories on like in unique communities. So it used to just be like X game stuff, right? Like BMX, but they actually sponsor a lot of dance competitions like B-Boy around the world. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I totally missed that. That's crazy. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Have you been dancing since you were young? It was just fun. Just fun with family. Yeah. I'm not great at it, but you know, I do enough where people go, okay, he knows a little bit about what he's doing. And so I just have a little bit of fun. That's cool. I mean, I try to teach myself how to dance better on YouTube with my daughter. What's funny about that is 
this guy who Miran Kirkosian, I ended up having him on my show. And it was simply from me and my daughter doing hip hop moves from the comfort of our own home. And he was really good at breaking it down on like a very rudimentary level. Yeah. And not very many people do that. Like usually I, you know, can't keep up with the eight count, but like he broke it down like really simply and he found kind of a niche there. And so I reached out to him. I mean, he had like 2 million subscribers on YouTube. So obviously like he does it really well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, do people send you videos like all the time of them, like doing your moves? He's like, yeah, actually they do. And, and, you know, I talked to him about sponsors and we became friends. Turns out like, you know, his dad was a choreographer and yeah, he really followed in his father's footsteps. He's, you know, been a backup dancer for Britney Spears and Madonna and huge stars. And now he trains other stars and has his own studio in Burbank, but crazy. I actually got him on a podcast that I was co-hosting. Then I had him on my podcast and I met him in person. And it's so crazy. It totally happened from me and my daughter watching his moves on YouTube. I need footage. I, I need footage of you too. You and your daughter. Yes, I need that. I need that in my life. I need to feel that good vi- vibe. That's it's coming from embarrassing both. now. <laughs> I can't even actually believe that I put some of those moves on LinkedIn, like when we were trying them. But yeah, so it's really fun. And I like to do that in the comfort of my home, but I don't see myself on stage doing that. Well, you have such great energy and I and I can get that from your your content and your the way that you have conversations on LinkedIn, you have great energy. Like I'm, I'm really, really, I like that. I, I, on LinkedIn, I kind of stay in the back and I kind of see how people maneuver first before I interact. But you, you just have this energy about yourself. That's so real and authentic. And I really appreciate that. I think it's Aww. very rare to have I that. I see that in you too. And actually I asked Aaron Barreto. I asked him how you say his last name. I don't roll the R though. What he would like to talk to you about, because he was in that audio room on LinkedIn where Walter and you and I all connected. And he said, he wants to know when you started to walk and talk with confidence. And I love that question because I see that in you. Do you know where that moment happened? That is a very, very great question. And you did that so well. That's such a great transit. I, listen, you're, you're putting on a masterclass with questions right now. I see you. This is great. I love it. I would say first it started with understanding what I believed in. And I know a lot of times we, when we're younger, they tell, they tell us to like try things to see what we're good at. But for me and my family, my mom being a single mom, we were concerned that if we tried something and it didn't work out and I was put in a bad situation, we may not recover from it. And there's a lot of kids out there that they don't have a second chance. They don't have third chances. They have to get it right the first time to give themselves the chance to be successful in life. And when things are stacked against them, she focused on helping me understand what I believed in. And once I understood what I believed in, then you couldn't tell me something that was against, you couldn't tell me anything about myself because I already did the work. I was like 13 years old. I was already figuring out what I believed in. I I was already figuring out how I wanted to present what I believed in. And then I just embodied it as much as I could throughout my high school years. And regardless who you were in high school, popular kid, nerd, whatever you they called you, I treated you like a human being. And just recently, my brother said it made it easier for him to go to high school because of that. Everyone said that you treated everyone fairly. You you just wanted people to know that they can be themselves in their own skin. And so that's where my confidence came from is first believing, knowing what I believe in and then walking in it and then allowing others to figure out what self-discovery, right? Figure out what what's special about them. I've been doing it ever since. That's pretty young to figure that out. Whoa, I definitely did not 
have it figured out at 13. In fact, at 13, I feel like I was super self-conscious. I was there too. Don't get me wrong. I don't think I didn't doubt myself, but I believe I could lean back on what I believed in. That was my North Star. That was my my GPS system where it was like when I felt doubt or they were challenging my identity as in you say you're this, Chris, but not really you're this based on that. And I would always challenge it. I would always Ooh, challenge it. I like that. What did they think you were? I remember having a counselor one time telling me that I shouldn't she was trying to be nice and or realistic, which if you're listening right now, if you're telling kids to be realistic, please don't do that. That's like you're, you're crushing their creativity. You're crushing their opportunity to create something new. I remember this counselor telling me one time that I should just look at county college. University is not a thing for me. It won't be a thing. Like, you know, she was trying to do it as nice, as nice as she could. And I just I laughed in her office and she was like, I said, I'll show you. I'll show you. Yeah, I did. I ended up going to university. I didn't stay though. I definitely dropped I dropped out, but I wanted to make a point that I could go away. I could achieve things that people say I couldn't do, regardless of what was my situation, you know, with, with my parents or my household or whatever it may be. That wasn't going, my circumstance wasn't going to determine my, my future because, you know, my vision is bigger than that. So, what was your circumstance? An amazing mom who created a, a household where every kid in the neighborhood would come over and hang out and have fun. And everyone was fed. Everyone was cared for, loved on. We just never knew what we didn't have. And we never knew what we should be asking for. Just because we had that love and that relationship with our family, my mom and my brother. Can I tell you a story? Yeah, tell me a story. Is that okay? Yeah, let me yes. tell you a story. I think the friends I, I grew up with, they would always create a Christmas list of the things that they wanted. And that's normal. But in our household, we never made Christmas lists. Whatever we would get on that day, we would just be grateful for. We'd be just like, just thankful that we are getting something, right? Because we watched our family go through this huge divorce thing. And then we watch my mom build herself up to this amazing professional and respected person in the tech field. So we didn't want to put any more pressure on her. Like that's just how we were, how my brother and I moved through our early years. So every Christmas we would go to sleep as early as we can just to see what it was going to feel like on Christmas day. It was just like the best feeling in the world. We woke up and there's all these gifts here. And we're like, what? what? Like we're all these gifts are here. And then we would open the box and to our surprise, it was always something we wanted, or at least we talked about. And then we would look at each other and go, how does she know that? Well, like what magic does our mom have for her to know exactly what we wanted? But we never made a list. We never told her, like, how did she know? And then when I realized when I got older was that, which is what I wanted to tell parents is that my mom, though, she, we didn't make that list. She was always paying attention to our conversations. She was always paying attention to what moved us, what made us smile, what just was important to us. And she wrote that down and she made sure that we would get at least something on that list of things that made us smile. And we always got it. We always received it. And so that's what our household was like. It was just, it was different. It was just very different than most single parent households. We just had a mom that just understood that this major lesson that she taught me, which is the greatest investment you can ever make is in yourself and treat your life like a project and you're the project manager. And if you do that, you will always have the right people around you. You will always have a balance, a moral compass, and you will approach life and with different eyes and a different worldview. And so yeah, that's how that's that's what our household was like. Wow. She sounds like an amazing woman. She's so special. That's why I'm, I'm such a champion of any woman out there that wants to do amazing and big things like you're doing. I'm super supportive of it because I, I just remember those days where she self-taught, she studied, she built herself up, worked in the tech field, worked for some major companies uh, in the early 90s, which was, that's like, what? Women in, in tech in the 90s? Are you kidding me? And a single <laughs> mom at that. Yeah. That yeah, is so. brave. 
I don't think I understood the magnitude of it until I got older, really. <laughs> I was like, what? It was pretty cool to see her try to teach us, to, well, teach my brother how to, you know, do command prompts and different things. And we, we were one of the only people with a computer in our neighborhood just because she can build them as well. It was just very interesting. Like, I didn't really know how badass my mom was until I got older. I'm like, man how could she ever doubt herself? Like, how could she ever feel like she wasn't good enough? And I, then I realized she's a human being and all of us go through that. And I can imagine you've experienced that too, right? Like you, do oh, you yeah. ever doubt yourself? <laughs> all the time. I also think I wrote something else down. Another question about what do confident people know that unconfident people don't know? That's a very great question. So I would answer it this way. Confident people understand that self-discovery is the greatest value that you can receive from anyone. When you learn how to discover the different parts of yourself, it's like a Christmas gift. Every time you open it, you find something new about yourself you never knew before. And you start to shape that picture of who you really are. And that's really what it is. It's the power of self-discovery and self-awareness. And the more self-aware you become, the more you can self-manage. And that's really what confidence is. It's knowing how to manage your environmental triggers and your emotional triggers and letting go of the uncontrollables. That's what really where your confidence comes from. When you can do that, you can always lean on that lean on that that power of self-discovery. I love that. I definitely think that's true. It's been a common theme throughout the show. <laughs> the people who find self-awareness and that continually work on themselves are the ones mm. that are happiest. Mm. And you're yeah. seeing that among like amongst all your, your guests that come on. That have oh that. yeah. Oh yeah. That's definitely been a common thread. I definitely checked out your content today and you play a lot of videos about forming your brand message and really getting clear on who you are. I even think in the uniqueness of this show, it's reconnecting with people that have made an impact in my life. Only people that I have experienced in a certain way, like that's going to be a differentiating factor. Like, you know, there can be other people that connect with the people that I've had on, but they're not going to have the same relationship that I've had with them. So I think in formulating your message and your brand and your uniqueness factor, it is telling the stories in a very personal way. What experience have you had with those individuals and really putting something personal into it? That's why when I interviewed Jerry Springer, even Nobody had the experience that I had with Jerry Springer and could talk specifically about the experience that I had during that time on that show. Are there many other people that have worked there and different time periods and different stories they've brought? Yes, but no one has had the exact same experience that I've had from my perspective. And, and I feel like you've really touched on that. You talk about the greatness of telling your story in the way that you've experienced it. I would love you to talk a little bit about that. Thank you. First, I want to congratulate you on that successful podcast episode. How amazing it is that years later that you can reconnect and interview the legend that he is, right? If you're in Thank a younger you. demographic and you're watching this right now, you may not know how impactful Jerry Springer was <laughs> during those 90s, 2000, that 90s to 2000 era. I mean, everyone knew Jerry Springer, like amazing content. Congratulations to you. Because that, that's you. huge. Now, to answer your question, to talk about specifically, do you want to know more about why your story is important to tell or why it's important to discover who you are so that you can talk about those experiences? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The second part more. But you can okay. touch on both. Okay. Most people today want to be digital marketers. Nothing against marketers. Nothing wrong with marketers. We need marketing. We need sales. We need all the, the normal corporate <laughs> 
spaces that are there to make a, the engine go. But when we get to the point where people feel so out of place because they don't have the next tip or the next strategy and they forget that there's a story inside of them, then we start to split from what makes us as unique as we are to just sounding and becoming like everyone else. The most important part of knowing that experience that you've gone through is that there are first themes, there are themes. And, and let me first start by saying what I believe in. You know, I believe that our greatest pain becomes our strongest motivation. Behind every single why, there's a story with a gift that's discovered. And when you look at it from that standpoint, you'll understand that they may try to imitate what you do, but you'll never be duplicated. And when you find that gift of, oh, wow, I had an experience with Jerry Springer. That's so many years ago. You know what? Some of the things I would see or experience, I would realize that everyone goes through pain, right? The guests go through pain. The production goes through pain. Steve goes through pain, right? Everybody goes through pain, right? The one thing that brought us together was that we were trying to solve the issue. And in doing so, we start to see that we're all similar to each other, regardless of what place we are in life. And when we figure that out, we can connect. Like the story connects. Like the only one, the greatest episodes are the ones where the story connected to the audience, not in also in the studio, but to the world that was watching it. And so when you look at your own story and you say, okay, if I go to my childhood today and I say, I never learned how to ride a bike. Like, let's just say that's, that's the thing I did, but let's just say that was something, right? You never learn how to ride a bike. What are some of the themes that may come up? Or what are some of the feelings that may come up for someone who didn't get a chance to ride a bike? What, what were some of the themes or feelings or emotions that would come up? Insecurity. Insecurity. Give, give me one more. That they're an outsider. Right. Insecurity and outsider. Feel like an outsider. How many people today that decided to run their own business or create their own podcast they, because they felt like an outsider? Or they're dealing with their insecurities and they're using this podcast to get out some of those emotions and feelings and things that they couldn't express in the corporate office. Oh, 100%. This is the best therapy ever. The best therapy. That's why I started podcasting, right? Just to talk to myself. So if I know that, then that means there are other people out there that are probably experiencing the same thing. Now, if I can understand and shape my message around that theme and talk about the values of what I've learned from podcasting, I'm most likely going to connect with an audience that wants to do the same thing. If I have a business around that, great. I can set up a business around that. It's amazing around who I am. If I want to uh, sell a service or offer or or market myself as a speaker, I can do that as well because it's something that I don't have to niche down. I don't have to niche myself. It's just something I tap into. And when you can tap into something, that means someone else can as well because there's a, there's a shared experience because everyone, regardless of race, religion, gender, everyone experiences pain. What is your greatest pain? Oh, my greatest pain. Uh, my greatest pain, it used to be not being good enough, being mediocre, being mediocre. That was my greatest pain. It's like, I can't be mediocre. And that came from, you know, hurt from my parents divorcing, being the firstborn and feeling like I have to take on a responsibility. No one asked me to do it. I just, that's just my personality. Like, oh no, we're going to make sure this works because we're a team, right? And feeling like you're mediocre is like sacrificing everything that you can to help the team, but then not pursuing your own dreams. And I didn't mm. want to feel that way. I did not want, I did not want that experience for myself, for my family. I said, I'm going to turn that into motivation. I'm going to figure out who I am as quickly as I can so that I can start using it so I can own it. So I can write my own story. So I can change the narrative about who I am and what my family's all about. So that if someone else tries to come in and say, I'm something that I'm not, I can quickly say, here are the pages of proof of who I am. And if you really get to know me, get to connect with me, you'll see the, how much value I can bring to any environment in any situation. And that was my mindset. So that's, that's my greatest pain. What are those experiences? Experiences that are your proof. So, oh, wow. Some experiences. So 
I will share a story that captures the pain without giving you the details. So if you're listening right now, one thing I want to teach you about your story is that it's also meant to be protected because that's where you're at your most vulnerable state, right? So a way that you can tell your story without actually telling all the details is by capturing a theme and emotion and feelings and another story and telling it to someone so they understand how you feel. It's genius. I also want to know how you learned how to do that. A lot of practice talking to myself, right? <laughs> but I'm going to tell you a story right now. So let, let me know how it goes. All right. So first there was this, there was this amazing, beautiful, blind woman who didn't feel beautiful. She actually felt like an outcast, someone who just didn't fit in, but she was loved by the most amazing boyfriend in the world. I mean, he loved her with all of his heart unconditionally. He did not care if she was blind. She didn't, he didn't care if she had short hair. As long as he could see her every day, he was there to support her. So he walks in and he looks at her and he goes, what's wrong? She goes, I wish I could see. And if I could, if I could see, I would go travel the world and see all the wonders of the world. If I could see, I would just smell the flowers and be able to see the colors of the flowers and the changing of the seasons. If I could see, I would marry you. So I could see what you would look like as I walked down the aisle on our wedding day. Well, the boyfriend was completely motivated like he, like a good man should be. <laughs> and he said, I'm gonna find out how I can help my future wife see. So he found a doctor that could do a special surgery that would be able to help her. And it happened. The surgery went through and months later, she was actually able to see. What an amazing, amazing experience that they were about to go through. So as he walked back in the room with his something, a gift, a bag that he had for her that he wanted to give her a gift so that she could see it for the first time, he noticed that she was doing something a little different. She was actually packing her bags. And he said, hey, can I, can I talk to you for a second? And she says, yes. He gets on one knee and he did what he said he would do. And he asked her to marry him. Do you know what her response was? I don't want to. I can't marry you. And he goes, why? Because there's so much of the world I want to see that I haven't seen before. There's so many things I haven't done that I want to do that I don't think I can marry you at this moment. Well, the boyfriend felt broken. He felt hurt. And so he walked out of the room and he walked to the car where his friend was waiting for him with all the good, like surprise, like we're going to get, we're going to celebrate. And he asked his friend to write him a letter, help him write this letter because he was so emotionally broken. So he wrote the letter and then he left it on the table and he drove off. As her bags were packed and she was walking out, she noticed the letter. She opened the letter and it said this, I'll always love you with all of my heart and all of my soul. You're the greatest thing that ever happened to me. But can you do me one favor? Take care of my eyes. Take care of my eyes. Now, many of you are listening right now or watching this or hearing this. You're probably saying, okay, I'm resonating with someone. I'm some of you may resonate with the, the girlfriend who feels like they are, they don't have the vision for themselves and they want to see what they want to see. And they feel like they're not good enough. They don't fit in. Then some of you are going to feel like the boyfriend that you're willing to give love, but you don't get it back in return. And then some of you may feel like the eyes, you're being just used left and right and not truly being appreciated for who you are. And based on that, who do you resonate with the most? Oh my God, can I tell you the truth? Yeah. It totally made me think of the reality show, Love is Blind. <laughs> Great show, by the way. Have you seen that? I have, I have, I have. I was yeah. thinking about that and that you can fall in love with someone's personality mm -hmm. and their essence. I mean, even in my own marriage, me and my husband met online. We lived in different cities. We connected with each other's profiles. We only went on probably seven or eight dates. And then he proposed really crazy. Right. But the How thing is, is we did yeah. not know each other. We did <laughs> not know each other. And I don't think he would have been ready for me 
if we would have met at a different point in our life. Maybe that's insecurity. Maybe that's we both needed to experience things. But that comes up for me in reaction to that story. That's very interesting because how you just connected a personal experience from hearing my story. That's how that works. I love that. I know you talk about that too. You're like, are people putting themselves in your story? Because if they are, they're connecting to it. They're connecting. That's present. So now you don't have to be a marketer. I felt like all three. In my, in my childhood, I felt like I was the blind woman. There's so much I wanted to see, so, so much I wanted where I wanted to go. But that divorce really broke me. I couldn't see it anymore because all I could see is pain. I couldn't see what it would look like to just be with one parent. And then another time I felt like the boyfriend, like I'm willing to do anything for my family because we're all we got. Like I see the potential in what we can become. I see the potential of what we could be, even if they, if the world tells us that statistically we will not survive because I'm in a single parent household. I'm a young black man. And if I don't get the right education, I probably will not succeed, right? There's all these factors that's, that's stacked against you. That's what the statistics say. But I'm gonna give my all, I'm gonna give my all anyway. And then there are times where I felt like the eyes where I was just a gift for someone else. And you, you're probably thinking like a gift for someone else. You're thinking that right now, right? Yeah, like, I am. He, Tell me. When he said, do me a favor, take care of my eyes. The surgery that was done, he gave his eyes up so that she could see. Okay. Yeah. That just gave me the goosebumps. And many of us feel that way, that we give up the best parts of ourselves without even seeing those red flags or even investing in ourselves and knowing our worth and what we're capable of and knowing that maybe the environment we're in, we're just settling for mediocrity instead of greatness. So we end up giving our gift to someone else to use when it wasn't meant for them. Have you done that? Yeah, plenty of times, plenty of times. Yeah, you you work a job for the first time, you get into the, you know, right? You work a job, you just want to make an impact. And you, you want to be seen as great, but it's so soul sucking in another way. You're like constantly trying to prove, like needing that validation. Right? It feels good to get out of that. <laughs> yes. Okay. Well, when I told somebody that I was interviewing a brand strategist, their response to that was have them tell me what a brand strategist is. Of course. I like that. I can answer that question. So there are different spaces in the brand strategy aspects of, of business that we lean into. So I lean in more to the messaging and voice. I create strategies around who you are, how you want to show up and what your, your best brand voice is so that when you have these stories, you're doing public speaking, you're showcasing yourself, it comes off as natural as possible. And your personality is in the front, whereas you don't have to be a great speaker. You don't even have to be an expert at speaking to do this. You have to be yourself. And so my strategy for someone's business is centered around their message and who they are. I took wow. that little quiz on your Instagram. Oh, yeah. How, how did it turn out? What did you come up with? I'm going to tell you because I think I took a picture. Let's see what it says. The world needs a little more of you, friend. Mm, inspiring and soulful. Ooh, you know your quiz. Mm -hmm. You're gifted at lifting others up, way up with your words. You care for your clients with patience and they clamor for your honest, heart-centered communication. But tell me the downside of that. They tend not to get paid well. <laughs> they want to help everyone. So when I have clients like that, we really focus in on not just creating a system, but creating an experience where your customers will convince themselves that they need to pay you, which takes the pressure off. So just recently I had a client actually that came from LinkedIn. She just said, I, I, she's like, I just have a hard time sharing what my services are and how they can pay for them. And I said, well, have you ever created a conversation around the experience of what they will get if they do work with you? And she said, no, I never did that. I just kind of tell them the price and I get a little nervous. And I said, that's okay. And I 
literally took her through her conversation. And at the end of it, she said, you know, I already tried it. And that was a lot easier than trying to be a salesperson. And what she doesn't realize is that I do have 13 years of experience in sales. So I do see the, I know the other side of it. I do know the other side of it. And I just wanted to make sure that it was ethical. Like it was, you're caring about the person instead of the sale, right? You're caring about the person instead of the money, but you're not taking yourself out of position to receive the money that's necessary for the experience. And so one of the main things that we do is the main conversation, if you're inspiring and soulful, that conversation, that one-on-one conversation is all about showcasing who that person can become in 20 minutes or less, letting them know that you acknowledge them, you hear them, and you validate where they are, and you don't judge them for where they're not. And if you can do that, they will say, how do I work with you? And then you give them the doctor technique. That's where the self stuff comes in. And you know the doctor technique, right? Tell me the doctor technique. You didn't even realize the doctor was doing it to you. You didn't even realize this. When you booked your your last appointment at the doctor, what times did the doctor give you? Probably in the morning. Why did he give you time in the morning? They wanted to make sure they got their lunch break. I don't know. It's an interesting question, right? Because a lot of people could do lunch, right? They have a lunch break. Why couldn't I go to the doctor during my lunch so I don't miss out on work, right? Or whatever it may be, or my kids or whatever. So what a doctor will do, or a manager at a at a doctor office, they will always give you two times in the morning that benefit them. Not you. It will always be their two times. And they always say, well, which one works best for you? Both options are theirs. It's not even yours. So if you have a hard time selling your offer or your service, it may look like this. So most people, if they feel like they want to work by themselves, I do have an ebook or something that they can use that will work really well. You can understand your strategy, your brand strategy, your voice, your key messaging, and feel free to reach out to me anytime. I'm always willing to just listen to you. And then the other option is working with me one-on-one for about five weeks. And this is what this looks like. Which one works best for you? And then they tell you, they tell you which one works best for them. And now you don't have to sell. You don't have to actually like convince them to buy your products or your services. They convince themselves. And once they convince themselves, then you just let them know what the price is. It's done. And I just did that work. Alongside that, I reached out to Milka. Where are you getting all these people? Yeah, that's look, see, greatness, masterpiece, master, the masterworks. This is like a, a masterclass on podcasting. Milka wants to know how you came up with your vision. Wow, what a question. So I used to think that my vision in a traditional sense was, you know, you do the, the business plan, you know, the business plan that they always tell you to do. Yeah, I did that. It didn't work. <laughs> it did not work at all. And then I said, oh man, like I did everything they told me to do. I got my smart goals. I did my vision, my mission statement. Like I got everything they told me to do. Even when I went back to college to get my business degree, I, I did, I, I learned, I like, I learned all these things. Okay. It's not working. So I said, okay, all right. If I wanted to date someone, how would I approach? Like if I wanted to date someone, I was really interested in them and I wanted to take that to the next level and their father and their mother said, well, what, what plans or what vision do you have for my daughter? How would I answer that? And I was like, wow, well, I can't answer with terminology that they may not know because it may look like I'm snobbish or I'm acting like an elite. I don't want that. I want to be relatable, right? What can I do? Passion. Okay. What is my passion? I had to tap into it. What are the things that make up my passion? And that's what I started doing. That team first mentality, seeing people win, loving on people when they didn't love on themselves, uh, really caring for them deeply. Okay. I'm passionate about that. I'm passionate in those spaces. And that can be in, in a lot of industries. Okay. I'll put that to the left. Next is how do I see myself versus how others see me? That was a huge part. So I said, okay, how do I see myself? That's this guy who maybe that doesn't know as much, but is always willing to learn. Well, how do others see me? 
they see me as this encouraging person who's a coach, this encouraging person that likes to help others. I'm like, okay, that's aligning with the passion. Okay, we're getting somewhere with this. All right, I'll put that to the side. People see me as a coach, encouraging a friend, that cheerleader that's in the background that is just always cheering them on. Okay, I could see that. All right, but th that's still not the vision. And it hit me. It will not work without purpose. It's not going to work without purpose. I can do any job that someone gives me. But if it's not aligned with my purpose, I feel like in life, then it probably won't be sustainable. It'll just be temporary. And I want my vision to be sustainable. I want it to actually live beyond me. I want my vision to live beyond me. I want someone else to take up the mantle and say, hey, we keep this thing going. And that's how I started creating my vision. And I have a vision where every coach, creator, person that I meet, they actually tap into who they really are. And they actually do it by finding it in the stories, the pages that are inside of them through their experiences. And as I pull each one out or help them discover each one, like my mom used to do on Christmas Day, opening those gifts, every time they open that gift of who they are, parts of who they are, they now can own it and create a narrative that only they can create, the feeling that they own, that only they can give. I want as many people as possible to experience that across the world. And that became my vision. And I said, I can't do it first until I do it for myself. Can't do it first until I really tap into who I am and that self-discovery. And when I started doing that, I had my breakthrough. And then this was created. I created this brand strategy and key messaging. And it's been the most amazing ride in the past couple of years. It's been beautiful. Wow. Was there anything that like triggered that? Yeah, it's always something, right? Yeah. <laughs> I got fired. That's what happened. I got fired. Oh, me um, too. It was the greatest feeling in the world, right? Like, like you, did, you did a song. I... <laughs> How has your dad played into all of this? So my dad, he recently passed away as well from cancer, just like my mom who passed away from cancer as well oh, in 2016. No. Oh my gosh. I'm so yeah. sorry. That's okay. If it wasn't for my mom and these experiences and even being fortunate enough to actually see her take her last breath, which I actually literally saw it. And I didn't realize how much she had provided for me emotionally that really touched me and which tapped into when my dad was passing last year from cancer as well to have that moment of reconciliation is special. And so if you're listening to this right now and one of the parents that you looked up to that you that you love that may, may have done something that hurt you and your family, if you do get that chance of reconciliation, even if it's for five minutes, take it. And that's what I got. I got that through a phone call from a sister I didn't know I had, which who I love dearly now. I have a younger sister now and my brother and I are like, oh my goodness, like we're, it's not the guys anymore. It's like, we got to include her in stuff we do now. Yeah, that's kind of weird, right? It's like, yeah, it's kind of weird. How'd you uh, find that out? She reached out and just said, hey, you know, dad's not doing well. And we end up meeting before all this, but we end up meeting and connecting. And I love my little sister. She's amazing, amazing. And she's right now looking to serve in the city. Hopefully that goes through. So I won't speak too much on that. But yeah, my dad, just having that reconciliation moment, the way that it happened was he FaceTime as he's about to transition, which was really weird. He looked at me and I looked at him and everything he ever wanted to say to me about forgiveness, I felt, I felt it. And he didn't have to say a word. And I looked at him and I said, I love you. Because if you did not meet my mom as high school sweethearts, I wouldn't be here today. A lot of the charisma and a lot of the stuff that I have is because of you. It's, it's a lot of you. I got to thank you for that. And then at the same time, I want to let you know that I forgive you. I forgive you. In your absence, which was healthy, in your absence, I was able to find out the man I was supposed to be, that self-discovery. And I wasn't just going to be just like my dad. In that sense, you know, I'm Chris Ward Jr. He's Chris Ward Sr. So a lot of my identity when I was younger was what he did and how I he was my hero, right? And then the transition from him being my hero to my mom being my hero. 
and seeing what true strength looks like when things are stacked against you, when you have to start over. And she did away from my father. And so I thank my father as he was transitioning to say everything I've learned with you and everything I learned away from you. I now use it to help people discover who they are and create a better situation for themselves because I had to learn how to do it myself first. And so there is no wasted moment in time, even if we were not together as a family, as the four, them separating still created an experience that I am so grateful for because I wouldn't be here today with you talking and hopefully encouraging someone who is watching this right now. I love that. Wow. That's so powerful. And not everyone's able to do that. Mm -hmm. Is there anything that you didn't get to ask him that you would have wanted to? I had a moment before he got sick on Facebook. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't like his voice, which I probably would have preferred. Um, mm. But we did have this conversation through Facebook. I just let him know that I stopped saying to myself, I didn't want to be like you. And I started telling myself, man, who could you become? That is so powerful. Oh my God. Because yeah. there are so many people that when they have falling outs with their parents, they say, I don't want to be like that parent. Mm -hmm. And reframing that into who do I want to become? Dang, I love that. It changed my life. So embracing it. it, it changed my life. I'm like, wow, there's no pressure anymore from the good side and bad side. There's no pressure. You know, everyone loves my dad. Everyone. He's just one of those guys. Just he walk into a room and you can feel his his presence, like amazing presence. And so I stopped saying, I don't want to be like you. And I started saying, you know what? Who could I become? Possibilities are, are endless. If I keep tapping into who I am, I may find something that's unique about myself. And I feel that a lot of creators and people that today don't realize the gift that they have if they actually just tap into the, you know, the story that they have and what can come from it and how it can make them so unique that when someone tries to be like them, it comes off as inauthentic. Or is, that, is that how you say that? I don't know. My, wife, my dad my wife, calls that phony baloney. I like what your dad, phony baloney. Yes. Yes. Phony baloney fried up. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I just want to take one more question from the audience because I know we're coming up on the hour, but my good friend, her name on Instagram is IG Live with Angela. She's the one that wanted you to define brand strategist earlier. I'm giving mm. her another shout out. She had a couple more questions. Let's do it. What is the role of a brand strategist and what would you like everyone to already have or already have established in their brand before you work with them? I'll say this too. Every brand strategist is different. Some will lean more on visual design. Others will lean more on, on key messaging or tone, personality. Uh, so it, it definitely depends on what you need. The first thing I would say is do not market yourself. That's the first thing I would say. You may not have anything just yet, and you may be starting off from scratch in the beginning, but just do not market yourself because you're cutting off, uh, what is that term? Cutting off your nose or hands to, in spite of, I don't know how the terminology goes, but you're pretty much cutting yourself short by jumping into the marketing space already without understanding who you are. There are three questions that you can ask yourself before you start working with any brand strategist to help you kind of let them know where you want to go. So the first thing is, how do I want people to feel when they work with me, when they hear me, and when they actually do not connect with me, right? And I know that sounds a, it's a really weird. How do I want them to feel when they want to work with me, right? When they connect with me and when they do not connect with me. The, those three are important. Here's why. When you understand how people feel when they connect with you, they start to share language that isn't very important to how your brand should be shaped and the strategy that should be given. So when that group of ladies at one of my public speaking things events said, you're like the coach that I never knew I needed. I said, whoa, 
I never looked at myself as a coach and I never looked at it as a coach that could be someone in, in an hour that could actually help someone get to the next steps. I made sure I wrote that. I, I put it down, recorded it, documented that and literally started building my brand around what it looked like to other people. As long as it was genuine to who I was, I, yeah, I can embrace that. So that's when it connects. When it doesn't connect, you have to ask yourself, are you turning away people because the language and the tone that you're using is coming off in a way that's not respectful to who they are and their thoughts and their personalities? Or is it because they just do not connect with where you're going? When you find out that people are not connecting with you because of your tone, there's something off with your brand. There's something off with your brand. There's something that is off. And imagine marketing that to a ton of people and then being told it's a numbers game. You just got to do the numbers, get them into the, the funnel, get them into the funnel. And then it, it'll go down. It'll break down. You'll get your customers. Think but about you know, how many people you're turning off. You're turning so many people off who could actually be someone who carries your message. Because that's how I look at it. Oh, Even if we so don't good. connect, can you articulate and carry my message to someone that could benefit from it? That's really powerful. I definitely know somebody that needs help there. Wow. I'll just give you his name and you can reach out. Okay. <laughs> Anonymous Listen. tip off. Yeah, something happened. Somebody, a bird came out of nowhere, landed on my lap and said, hey, you got to reach out. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Okay. Can a tagline or quote create impact with a big enough marketing strategy if they have a big enough why? Hmm. Okay. I know somebody may kill me for this. I'm so sorry that I have to say this, but I still believe that your why is still surface level. I believe it's still surface level. And here's why. It's so easy to be inspired by somebody and then take on their why. We could easily just take on someone else's why and not even know it because we we don't know any better. We're just kind of following the, the rules of success or the breadcrumbs of success and we start taking on someone else's why. So I never base it on just my why. I go beyond the why and tap into the story. My own personal story will help the why clear it, refine itself and it'll be a little bit easier to use. That's the first thing I would say to that. And can you ask the beginning part of that question? Can a tagline or quote create impact with a big enough marketing strategy the most effective way to use a tagline is if you get on a podcast or if you go in the public speaking event. And I, just recently, I'm working with a best-selling author right now. And hopefully she did great today because she had some podcasting spots today. I'm very, I'm very proud of her. I let her know that her tagline is used to bring people into your ecosystem to build community. Let's just, do you have a tagline? The one I put on LinkedIn is I help entrepreneurs get seen. So let's just say you're posting content and you're saying today, you know, what's one of the most frustrating, frustrating feelings in the world is when people don't realize that you have the exact solution to their problem. It would be rude to solicit your advice without it being asked. But sometimes we don't know the question to ask so that you can actually get the solution to the answer. That's why helping entrepreneurs get seen is such an important piece of what I do, because it's all about the questions you ask and then the answers that follow. I'm using that not in a sense to just market to see me, but I'm using it so that you understand how the ecosystem that I work in. I work in a system where entrepreneurs or creators or business owners, they're not getting seen because of frustration of not knowing the right questions to ask or the right answers to give. And maybe they're just in the wrong environment and we need to put them in the right environment so they can ask those questions and give those answers so they can get seen. And that's how I would use taglines. I use taglines just to build community and bridges to the right space they should be in. That's my firm belief as when you're working your brand strategy, use taglines 
yes, for people to remember who you are and get used to hearing the way that you say things, but also it's the easiest way to package your message and allow someone else to use it and give it to someone else and say, hey, Rena said this, this is what I heard and this is why it's important. Yeah, I love that. I mean, if you notice my LinkedIn profile is pretty simple. Like the things that people come to me for, I basically put on my about section. I get you on podcasts. I help you get in front of change makers. I can help you with sponsorships. Like the things that people have come to me to help them with, I clearly state, do they want to know my backstory? We can get into that later. What are people searching for that I can help them do? Now think about it. Let's just say I'm a podcast host and I say, Hey, can you introduce yourself to me, to the audience? What would you say? I really don't like when people do that to me. (laughs) Like I so much prefer when somebody has done their research about me and they know something that I'm passionate about talking about and they lead with that versus let me label myself in 10 different ways and then let you figure out which one you want to dig into. You get it. You understand that, right? Because that's why you're doing a masterclass on this on, this, on how the podcast, right? You're showing people literally right now, you knew things about my background, people who I, I'm like, how does she want to talk to them? No. <laughs> so think about what you just said, right? They want to put you in a box before Immediately. connecting with you. Oh, right? it's rough. And that's a lot rough. of shows do it. Right. I want you to say your full name right now. I'm going to show you something. Say your full name for me. Rena Friedman Watts. What an amazing name. And to help entrepreneurs get seen Rena has found a way of just genuinely showing up for her audience and allowing them to tell and tell their story in their unique way with their voice. How many people can resonate with that right now? The crowd goes wild. The crowd goes, listen, all you did was use your name, right? You didn't, no title, no status. You just said your name and then you shared your kind of your truth, right? And how you see the world, your worldview. And I think a lot of times we get caught up in these titles and these amazing statuses and titles that people think are very important and for some they are and there's nothing wrong wrong with that but at the same time if if your audience can't articulate what you just shared and can't take it to someone else you actually didn't make as much impact that you could have made if you just became more relatable in that time like you're relatable to me oh i also like that you talked about how you presented your title as pretty broad and heart-centered and weren't trying to brag about all the things that you've done in your career. Let me see if there's any more questions. What is the key skill set a brand strategist has that sets them apart and makes them number one amongst their peers? That's interesting. So there are two ways to approach this answer. And I'm going to give you the way that uh, most brand strategists will answer. And they'll say, with our experience in the field of understanding how marketing and branding are a marriage and how you need both marketing and branding together, branding is the how is the foundation of the house and marketing is all the other cosmetic stuff that come inside. And so depending on the type of brand strategies, if they're more visual or design based, they'll make sure that it's a synergy between the colors, the looks, the logo, the font, as well as some of the messaging and tone and personality. That's the normal way people answer that question. The way I answer that question is I don't see myself as number one in my industry. I just see the type of impact that I can make based on the direction that person wants to go. So sometimes I will not even talk about the logo so we will not get distracted so that the business gets the the core thing of a business is to attract people that is part of your audience or part of your tribe, right? So as a brand strategist, my goal is to make sure that your messaging is so clear that when you speak, they hear it and they respond. 
either with a yes or a no. And that's what I tell my clients. It's not for us to get everyone to say yes. That's not what you should be looking for. You should be looking for your using your signature truth so that you don't take away the permission. You don't take away the choice of your audience so that they can convince themselves if it's a yes or a no. When they convince themselves that you're the brand to work with or not the brand to work with, that is a powerful, powerful gift that you just give, you just gave them because now if they say no, it doesn't mean they won't say yes in the future. You didn't waste their time and they didn't waste your time. But if they did say yes, it's like having a warm lead as salespeople would say. You didn't have to actually, it's like dating. There's certain cues that your husband probably took from you. And was like, oh, she is the one. Like, I don't care. Like for the rest of my life, she's, she can't get rid of me. I'm with her. That's what's going to happen. And it's the same thing with your brand strategy. You want your audience to say he is the one he or she is the one. That's the person I want to work with. And here is why they will give you the reasons why you are the right person for them. Not the number one person, but the right person for them. Because like in any relationship, there were people before you and hopefully there's not people after you. That's how I love I that. That is great. Okay. Is there anything you'd like to ask my daddy? Yes, dad, I would like to know what's the greatest advice your daughter has ever given you mm. and what's the most proud moment you've ever had with her that you can share that you've never shared before it's something that you're proud of that you've never shared before about your daughter that's beautiful yeah nobody's asked that advice question that's interesting because you know i've given them some come on now i know <laughs> us dads need help sometimes yeah sometimes all right chris this has been an absolute pleasure I knew from the first time I heard you speak in that LinkedIn audio room that I wanted to have you on my show. So this has been a real treat. I'm really honored. If you're watching this right now, I want you to truly appreciate this amazing creator, businesswoman, daughter, phenomenal human being. And so do you realize that you just watched a masterpiece of what it means to interview someone and really, truly connect? She is the real deal. She's authentic, loving, caring. And I just want amazing success, success for you. Whatever that looks like for you, I want it times 10 because what you did for me today is really special. You didn't have to do that. You didn't have to really bring it into that space. And you did. And I see your heart. If you haven't been told today, you are amazing. You're amazing. Aww. And I appreciate you. I appreciate you so much value. Seriously. Amazing. Now, please promote away. What you can do right now, if you want to follow me on LinkedIn, it's Christopher Ward. You, I'm, look, I'm Rena's friend. Okay. If you, if you know her, you know me. Okay. <laughs> Number two, I'm on Instagram, but I, I do a lot of community on TikTok because that's where people just want to talk. They actually want to just talk and connect on there. So Chris Ward Jr. on all platforms. I do have the, the free brand quiz. Find out what your brand voice is. Uh, if it's you know, professional polish or inspiring soulful, you can check that out. And I am preparing for a couple of lives soon. So if you're following me, you'll, you'll know when that happens. I'm going to actually teach you some cool story techniques that you can put into your business for free. But yeah, other than that, I just want to say, if my kids see this, I want to let you know, Jordan, Michael, I love you. Richie, Xavier, I love you. And to my wife, thank you for um, allowing me to do this right now. I know I'm taking up the bedroom and you want to get in here and, and probably rest <laughs> after a long day. So I appreciate you. And I appreciate you for making space for me to do what I do. And I love you guys. And so if you see this, it's always about you. Oh my God. That is so beautiful. Thank you to your wifey too. My husband is also taking care of the kids. So I'd like to thank him too. That's good vibes. Now let's switch it over to grandpa.
Chris Ward is another person that's joining your show because what he's doing and what you're doing is trying to be authentic and real and talk from the heart and show compassion to giving everyone a voice to be able to tell their story. And that's what he's trying to do also, isn't it? Is where he's trying to tell people to tell your story, be part of the action, even for other people, but put your own twist on it, put your own tune on it, make your own pathway. And what I love that he said is that the worst thing that can happen to a person is just to be mediocre, not a crime, but you want to keep striving to better yourself, to progress and help other people. And look what he did in the credits. He wanted to credit his wife and children because that's what it's about. That's the Better Call Daddy show is to try to create a legacy where your story can be part of a legacy of stories that will continue through your children and your children's children. We only have a very short period of time on this earth, as you know, and we have to make every bit time and make it as valuable as possible, and not just go through the motions, not just say, just another day. What can we accomplish to do better? What can we do to plan out and move forward with our lives? He comes from a broken home, and he's used both perspectives, and he was able to do what? Show the strength of his mother, and yet still understand that he has to be grateful to his father, even though of the split. Also mentioning that forgiveness and the opportunity to set the record straight with one of your parents, even if it's just for five minutes, that it's worth it. Isn't that ironic that today I'm on the phone trying to also set up where even the slightest possibility of my mom being able to still have some type of relationship with her three daughters that she hasn't had a relationship with for five years, still give her that opportunity while she still has some time left. I think that was good. I also think that I've given you some advice today that I would like you to weigh in on. <laughs> well, sometimes you give me advice where sometimes my heart and my soul, conscience, which is what I have to go by, and some of the vibes that I get from the Almighty, sometimes you don't necessarily agree with some of that, and you try to advise me to keep your guard up. And I try, but as you know, at times, looking beyond the surface, sometimes when you're playing a chess game, what looks to be the obvious move is not always the obvious move. And sometimes I look a little deeper and further and hope that the strategy will play itself out later in the game. And what I'm most proud of, which maybe I haven't told you, is that you can stand on your own two feet is one thing, but you also have a beautiful mind and you keep reaching for the stars and developing yourself and you're not satisfied and also being mediocre that you also want to strive to be the best that you can be, which is something that I've always told you as a little girl. And you don't need my pushing on that. It seems that you're doing it naturally. I still like the pushing. <laughs> you still like the pushing though, huh? Well, so encouragement always helps. It's nice to have somebody that's got your back and is on your team always. And your father is there for you always. Thanks for listening to the Better Call Daddy Show. Now you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and TuneIn. If you've enjoyed this episode of the Better Call Daddy Show, please feel free to review it at ratethispodcast.com slash bettercalldaddy. Add Better Call Daddy Podcast on IG at Rena Friedman Watts on LinkedIn.com. 